Welcome to the Relationships Inside Out podcast with Drs. Gregory Sieber and Kimberly Murray, licensed marriage and family therapists. Join them on this journey as they explore the ins and outs of relationships. Welcome to Relationships Inside Out, where today we're going to talk about trust. Trust is core for any relationship that we have. It starts from the day we're born and Mm -hmm. is included in everything that we do with any other person every day after. Yeah. And I think most people, most of us get this concept, right? If I trust someone, I know they have my back. I know I'm safe with them. I don't feel like they're going to um, do something to negatively impact me intentionally. I give them the benefit of the doubt. That'd be the healthy version at least, right? (laughs) It's tough because trust seems like what would be a pretty definite thing. Like we, we'd all have the same definition, but I actually think it's pretty nebulous, right? Mm. So trust to me is I know without a shadow of a doubt, my partner's got my back, that he's going to tell me the truth, that he's going to honor and respect me for other people. Trust may look different, right? Especially in codependent mm-hmm. relationships that can get really wonky. And one thing that I think is consistent, probably among many definitions is consistency. Yeah. When somebody's mm-hmm. words don't line up with their actions, that starts eroding trust. Mm-hmm. That consistency that somebody's going to do what they say or they are who they say they are. Um, and that consistency gives us a sense of predictability, which gives mm-hmm. us a sense of security. Mm-hmm. And if the person that says our partner that we're with isn't consistent, our trust really does start to erode. Mm-hmm. That's what we see at start in infancy. Can we count on our caregiver to feed us, to attend to our needs, to attend to our cries, to clothe us, clothe us properly, to mm-hmm. change our diaper? Or are we left to sit without our needs being met? We've had a previous episode where we talked about attachment. Mm-hmm. And at the core of those attachment injuries is a rupture in trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and when we think about trust in relationships, if it's not there this is where we start becoming insecure. Mm-hmm. Earlier on, when we first meet somebody, especially romantically, we're like, this is amazing. I can trust everything about this person. <laughs> the love Sc- stage, the high. <laughs> screw all the red flags. Just, just dump them out. This person's amazing. Mm-hmm. But then you, you're with them for a little while. You start seeing things don't add up. <clears throat> There's inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. That, are, that trust erodes. Then we start becoming insecure. And in order to get some sense of control, mm-hmm. we start pursuing more. We start texting and checking in on them, which paradoxically drives them away. And we think by getting control, we'll trust them more. Yes. Nope. And, and that's really the thing. So trust is broken a lot in relationships. It happens. Mm-hmm. We fail our partners. We fail our friends. Um, I think about it in the context of infidelity. Trust is severed. And everyone's wondering, can I get this trust back? It is possible. But it takes both people to work towards it. It takes forgiveness. Openness. And, and importantly, time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just because you learn a couple skills, things shouldn't change immediately. <laughs> Trust is something that does build over time. It has to build over time because you have to see that consistency over time. I laugh because as couple therapists, we often hear clients say, I've been here for four times. Why are things not changing? Yeah, my goodness. Why is this not different? Why am I still mm-hmm. mad at my partner? Why don't they trust me yet? Yeah. Because it takes time. Yeah. And often... Sometimes it is, so I talk about death by a thousand cuts versus death by one. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's one big rupture, but chances are, say that one big rupture is infidelity. Chances are you've already had death by a thousand cuts because something led to that infidelity in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is a process over time that created that rupture and trust. So it's going to take time to heal it. 
and to, to solve it and to establish new processes, healthier interactions. I talk about that with couples all the time because part of building trust to me, if, if I were to look at it in an ideal sense, especially in any relationship, um, and I'll talk about in the context of a romantic relationship, but is I feel safe enough to be vulnerable without being judged. Mm-hmm. And by vulnerable, I mean, I can tell my partner how I feel, not I feel like you don't like me. Mm-hmm. I feel afraid you're going to leave me. Yeah. I feel afraid I'm not good enough, but you have to have that trust to even get to that point. And it takes time. And, and importantly is even in the process of building this trust, we've been in the, pro- in the processes and engaging in the ones that have led to mistrust far longer. Yep. Those are still going to show up every now and then it's about the frequency at which hopefully over time they decrease more and more, but even say like, you're really good at everything you've learned in therapy and you're doing everything you can you're going to have it happen every now and then because we go back to what yeah. we know and what we know is a lot of times what we grew up with. How did my parents manage stress? How do they manage conflict? We're going to go back to that, especially when stress increases, but how fast you recover and how you navigate mm-hmm. that conflict mm-hmm. is a sign of that trust. And I hear couples often say, I want to go back to the relationship we had. And I challenge that notion. Do you really want to go back there? Because that's how we got here. Yeah. No, the goal is to rebuild a different Rebuild that foundation, but build it in a different way that's healthier, that's stronger. Mm-hmm. Trust is not, I I trust you, so therefore you can never make a mistake. <laughs> I trust that you will be perfect. Do everything I say on time, every time. If you don't, you don't respect me. You don't. <laughs> Which is sometimes the standards people can hold their partners to. Yeah. Trust is, in general, I can count on consistency. I can count on you to be there for me non-judgmentally, mm-hmm. I can count on you to take care of me and to consider mm-hmm. me. And I can make a mistake in front of you and you don't judge me. You give me the benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt and you're there to support me. It's not perfectionism. So when we talk about healing from trust or building trust, it isn't that my partner will never do something to hurt me. will yeah. never make a mistake. We'll never say the things that they used to say before that led to this. It's going to come up. Yep. That's what's difficult about trust is it's not this finite thing of, okay, we can fix it and then we're done. (laughs) It is a continuous process and we're going to continually have little fractures and moments Mm -hmm. where we brush up against it. It's, is it more consistent? Are we more consistently able to trust our partner or distrust our partner? Yeah. No, a good point that it's a continual process. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's why relationships are hard. Friendships or anything is it takes effort. Both sides. It's not easy. And if you're looking for something easy, that's, you're going to have a hard time finding a relationship and sticking in one. Mm -hmm. So one thing that comes up a lot in the conversation of trust is that we give that partner benefit of the doubt. John Gottman talks about positive sentiment and negative sentiment. We talked mm. about some previous relationships. So when I work with couples or even siblings in a relationship trying to rebuild that or parent-child, adult-child, is we need to get to a point where we build this positive sentiment that when you look at your partner, when they do something, it isn't the assumption that they are going to do what they did before or that it's out of malice or mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly um but that takes time and in that time you're building what john gottman called positive sentiment so things to where i can feel like my partner has my best intentions some of those are having really good conversations where you're attentive and present and validating mm-hmm. when your partner feels validated and you both feel validated continually over time it builds that positive sentiment Oh, all those times my partner told me how much they appreciated me. Like that becomes evidence yeah. that they have your, in, you know, best interest in mind. Positive sentiment comes in. I think about like the dishes. We hear about dishes all the time as couples therapists. Damn dishes. 
dishes are like the ultimate marriage killer. Jesus. But is it, do I create meaning when my partner doesn't do the dishes that he didn't do them to purposely hurt me, to purposely ignore what I wanted? Or did, can I make meaning of, oh man, maybe he was stressed. Maybe he forgot. Mm-hmm. Right. Can I depersonalize it? Can I offer compassion to why he might have not gotten it done? Rather than going to a place of criticism, going to mm-hmm. a place of judgment, a place of, oh, he must have done this on purpose. That's that positive sentiment versus negative sentiment. Yeah. And, and you bring up a good point too, because part of it is together building this, this trust and positive sentiment, but also it's on yourself to challenge these negative sentiments that come up, realizing, okay, this is what they have happened before, but I know we're trying to work towards something like this. So let me get the benefit of doubt right now and see how this happens. Um, and again, reassess. It's a tough one because again, it's not something tangible. It's not something that looks exactly the same to each person. But- <laughs> I, I, laugh, I laugh because I think <laughs> the partners, if he would just do this, we'd be fine. <laughs> I hate that sentence. But a big one here is boundaries. Oh my God. Yes, you brought it in. <laughs> I have to, I have to, right? My boundaries in my relationship, my expectations are going to look different than even yours, Greg. Yeah. And so what I consider a violation of trust or a violation of my mm-hmm. boundaries is going to look different than my friends. And we, as a couple, have to talk frequently, not just one time, Mm -hmm. but continually dialogue about what are our boundaries, where are our lines of trust, so that we know, okay, this is what my partner expects. These are their non-negotiables. These are their needs. How do I honor and respect those? Not my previous partner's boundaries and needs, but my current partner's boundaries and needs. Yeah, and and earlier on, after a rupture, mm-hmm. like immediately after a rupture, especially like infidelity or, or something else that is a rupture based on your definition of they lost my trust. If both people are working towards rebuilding it, that consistency should, there should be a lot of effort towards that consistency earlier on mm-hmm. to build that positive sentiment. And then, you know, there's probably a little more room for mistakes and things a little bit later, but earlier on, it's very important to help show that you're willing to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I want to dig deeper into something you just said. You said both partners. Okay. With infidelity, we often hear couples enter of it's their fault. They're the ones that cheated or they're the ones Mm -hmm. that lied. It's a team. The process that got us to that infidelity is both sides. The infidelity itself, yes, is one person. They have to take Mm -hmm. ownership and accountability for that, but there is ownership and accountability for what got us there. So both partners have Mm -hmm. to lean into What's my role in this conflict? Mm-hmm. What's my role in trust? What's my role in boundaries here? How have I violated theirs such that they mm-hmm. did choose to step out such that I lost connection with mm-hmm. them? Not that it's here. I don't want to get into the territory of victim blaming here. Like that's not yeah. at all what I'm trying to say, but that it is two-sided that both partners mm-hmm. have a role here. It's a great point because it might be a situation and I look at relationships long-term it oscillates of who's ruptured and who hasn't mm-hmm. it depends on the severity of course, but um, it does take both partners to get back. And it isn't the partner who's the victim in, in whatever scenario it is, whoever, you know, led to the rupture. They also have to play a role in how can I improve the dynamics to serve Healing. as a resilient factor. So this is less likely to happen again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we go back to like say infidelity. Some of those things are not feeling connected. It takes mm-hmm. two people to feel connected. Again, not blaming the person who didn't commit uh, or engage in infidelity. But But everybody has a role in that process of getting us there and getting us out of it. 
Yeah. It's hard. This is not light lifting. Some work we do in therapy is a little bit easier or lighter than others. Mm-hmm. Rebuilding trust, at least from my standpoint, is probably yeah. one of the harder. It is. Yeah. Harder issues to work through. Yeah. And some of the basic foundational stuff that we've started talking about, but I work with couples is the, is the building the positive sentiment that John Gottman mm-hmm. talks about. And that starts with the communication. It starts with the validation. Going specifically to communication piece, which validation is within, um, but sometimes you can validate someone behaviorally, like you know, rubbing them shoulders, depending on mm-hmm. how they receive validation. But communication, conflict management, if, if you get to a point where you're effective at navigating stress together as a couple, you can build trust because now you can rely that as a team, we're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that and you can't rely on your partner to get through conflict or stress, I don't want to bring anything up to them, that erodes trust because trust is also being able to communicate with honesty what's going on for you. And go to therapy for this. We are not innately born with the skills to communicate. Uh, Often our families don't give us the best skills to communicate. (laughs) So go to therapy, go see Mm -hmm. someone who specializes in this. So you can have the healthy tools to stay regulated in conflict, Mm -hmm. to talk about the hard stuff, to communicate openly, directly, and honestly, while also not being brutal, right? But lean Mm -hmm. towards that space so that you can develop those skills and thus prevent some of these ruptures Mm -hmm. and trust from happening again. Yeah. And and building those skills and being willing to do that, even if you don't identify as the person who created the issue. Both sides uh, to tangle your people. But this is part of the accountability. And one thing Mm -hmm. that, you know, Gottman talks about too, as a predictor of long-term success is acceptance of influence, or Mm -hmm. I like to look at it as like taking accountability. Yeah. Even if, even if somebody said something that is very hurtful, it doesn't get anywhere to continue to blame them to change. It softens it when we're able to take, I can see how I did X and it led to this. Mm-hmm. It softens it. And now we can have a conversation and less defensiveness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when you accept influence or accountability, it lets the other person know that they're not solely at fault and they can be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So this is another part of, of trust mm-hmm. is that consistency, being able to navigate conflict effectively, and also taking it. Um, accountability for our roles, no matter how small, and then also validating our partner. Softening. You have to be a safe landing for your partner. That can be hard at times. If you don't feel like you can be a safe landing, that's when we talk about things like the couple's pause, taking time to breathe. Don't force an argument. If you're not in a place to have a healthy discussion, we'll call it, Take the break. Don't try mm-hmm. to muscle through it because that'll just lead to another rupture in trust. Yeah. Because now I, if we're in conflict, I see I'm not safe to talk to you. You're yelling or getting agitated or putting me down or whatever it might be. What we don't want is to re-rupture yeah. after we've had kind of these breaks in trust. Yeah. And, and some of these will happen again. Mm-hmm. But look at the over long, uh, the look over the whole entire journey of we're yeah. working towards building it and we're not perfect. Now that's not an excuse for somebody who's like, oh, I'm going to go out and do it anyways. And just say, this is part of the journey. Touché. Um, yeah. I mean, know your partner and, and know them, kind of get a sense of the intentions, but in general, look at the entire journey and pro- process that you guys are engaging in and the progress you made long-term and not allowing this one instance, negative thing to undo everything you're working towards, depending on how serious it is. You got to have your boundaries too, right? That's up for you to decide of, okay, I'm not willing to do that anymore. Um, but I can, I'm curious your thoughts actually, because this comes up in couples with me quite a bit mm-hmm. is there's a partner with one foot out, one foot in, and they're trying to work on building trust. But not for me, I'm, I'm, I don't know how, if you're not fully committed, I don't know if this is going to be an effective journey. 
Ooh, I'm actually thinking of some specific people right now. And part of it for me is my role as the therapist. I offer psychoeducation on why the rupture might have happened. Yeah. Whether it's a trauma response or um, around our defensiveness, fight or flight, things like this. I offer psychoeducation on how we rebuild trust. And trust is not this like 100% now I've reached the point of trusting you. It is, I trust you 90% of the time. I trust you with um, positive regard. I trust you with good things. Not that you're never going to make a mistake, right? I do have couples on my caseload that there is a partner who's one foot out. And so it's asking, can you, can you have two feet in, into this process? Maybe not into the relationship, but into the process. Yeah. Is that possible? I mean, for me, Mm -hmm. I look at it like I, and and some of this stuff isn't spoken, right? This partner's not saying half foot in half foot out. I'm picking up on it. If I'm picking up on the partner who's all the way in is picking up on it. And how do you be vulnerable and start working two feet in this process if you get a sense that your partner's not fully in? And I, that's one thing I do call out. So any couple where there's one person with one foot in, one foot out, it's named. Like both partners are mm-hmm. fully aware of that. It's a tough dynamic to walk of how do I lean and be vulnerable, but I'm afraid you're going to leave me. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one. Yeah. And sometimes for the person who's been hurt. That's how they, at least from my work, that's how they have to start and then eventually get to that two feet in spot because Mm -hmm. that's what feels safest. Yeah. At least at the beginning. Yeah. And and that's typically what I see too, is like, I know long-term that's not going to work, Yeah, but it does have to start there. And I often call that the discernment phase. Yep. We're going to use this process to discern, but important in that process, what you and I have just been talking about quite a bit is you're going to fail each other. Your partner is going to potentially engage in the very things that have led you to this decision or discernment process in the first place. It's going to happen. But I need to know you're committed to the process of rebuilding this. Yeah. Because that's what's tough is there's this expectation, like I got one foot, one foot out. As soon as they do something that has, you know, triggers me from everything in the past, whoop, foot's out. Yep. And then we start all over and the process starts all over again. And couples therapy is very, very difficult when somebody just continues to step in and Bounce step out. the line, Yep. Um, and oftentimes I'll, I will call it out too and say, this will not be effective if I don't have your full commitment. This has to be your goal. Mm-hmm. Your goal has to be working on building trust. It doesn't have to be getting back in the relationship. Which is an important distinction. And people often think they're synonymous. Yes. Especially with co-parents, right? If we're going to have a relationship afterwards, regardless of how our romantic relationship continues, we need to be able to trust each other. Otherwise, co-parenting is mm-hmm. really hard. really hard especially when there's such a divergence in beliefs and values of what Mm -hmm. they want to how they want to raise their child but so talking about trust a lot of a lot of things we hit on that i think are important is it's about that consistency it's about letting your partner know that you can be there and them letting you know that they can be there and you can be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and make a mistake and not be your best self and and get the benefit of the doubt or give them the benefit of the doubt it's about validating one another it's about being able to navigate conflict um, honoring boundaries limitations yeah and i want to throw out a caveat while we're talking about this in the context of romantic partnerships this also applies to family and friends absolutely yeah. so anything we've talked about here to a degree obviously yeah. um you can work through in family therapy you yeah. can even there are friends that work through things in therapy if you don't trust a family member honor that Right, we can work through that part just like you would a romantic partner, mm-hmm. because yes, family 
family gets complicated and sometimes we give our family a free pass to violate our boundaries. And as everyone knows, I'm huge on boundaries. So even for family, we need to be able to trust that they're going to honor our boundaries. They're going to honor our limitations, that they are going to hold us in a space of positive regard, that they are going to hold us hopefully non-judgmentally. Mm-hmm. And we're all human. And there are many times that we don't like somebody and they don't like us. <laughs> Um, but again, look at it long-term because it's easy to focus yeah. on these one moments where we feel like we've just destroyed everything or they destroyed everything. Um, but really think about it long-term, like who's this person been for me? Mm-hmm. Have they bettered me in general, right? Mm-hmm. They make mistakes. Okay. They, you know, in the context of infidelity, that's not something I value. I can't be with that. Okay. Well, that's your decision. Um, but yeah. really reflecting long-term. And then especially when, if you both decide to move forward, whether that's friends or family members, or even uh, romantic relationships to move forward and build that trust again, um, to really understand that it takes time. It is a process. We're going to fail each other throughout this process, but over time, hopefully that decreases. And through that, through that process, even though we're kind of getting back into some of our old patterns is that we are building a better foundation. Mm-hmm. We're having better conversations. We're navigating conflict better. Both of us are able to take accountability. That one's so huge for me, the accountability piece. And, and the mutuality of that. Yeah. And, and it, again, it softens everything. And when I look at fights, typically couples come in wanting to control the other person and making sure that they change. (laughs) We can't do that. All we can do is influence us and taking accountability is a way to influence our side of that interaction cycle. Mm -hmm. Again, trust is something that starts in infancy. And if you know you're someone who struggles with trust or you're with a partner who struggles with trust or a family member, encourage that support for yourself or for your loved ones. Because if we don't, my lack of trust for my partner isn't just with my partner. Mm-hmm. It impacts my trust with my kids, with my friends, right? Mm-hmm. So if I have struggled with trust, solve it for yourself, not for mm-hmm. the other person on the receiving end, but for yourself so that you can have those healthy, positive relationships mm-hmm. that honor your personal autonomy, that honor your space. And you bring up a good point is that it goes back to what you said earlier, very in the beginning about it's everyone has their own kind of idea what that trust looks like. And you might, you might have someone that, it's just very, has a lot, a lot of requirements for that trust. That's up for you, for your decision, if whether you can meet all those requirements. And it's up to that person who might have all those requirements, as you just said, to reflect on yourself. Like, is this the best way? Do I need all these things? I look at it in the context of relationships, like the demand of like, well, if you do this, then I'll trust you. And I'm not going to mm-hmm. trust you again until you do this. I look at those, those high demands and and rightly so, they they were hurt and they need mm-hmm. um, that sense of control. Like they can predict that it won't happen again, which we don't have. And in that high control can again push somebody away. So it's mm-hmm. it's counterintuitive. We can't control the other person's behaviors. We can only control our boundaries, our level of trust or leaning in. And if the other person doesn't want to honor our boundaries, you mm-hmm. control your reaction to that, not mm-hmm. their choice to either respond or not respond. That's true with families, romantic partners, doesn't matter. When you're rebuilding trust or when you're trying to, even if it's not after a specific rupture, if you're just trying to lean into being a more trusting person, know your boundaries, know your limits, set them. If people don't honor them, that's your choice whether or not you continue in relationship Mm -hmm. with them. Yeah. And it's such a good point in terms of context of trust. The boundaries again, is that say someone has different boundaries. I look at it in the kind I had this, um, I had a few of these couples where one partner's idea of infidelity was not the others. Mm-hmm. So one was like, if you're texting another girl, it's cheating. The other one was like, what? 
And they had never talked about this before. So this person's trust was violated again. And the, and the subjective sense mm-hmm, that's their experience mm-hmm. and their boundaries. Um, and that has to be talked about to, mm-hmm. to determine whether that's effective moving forward. And you can actually meet that. And you also value that level mm-hmm. of boundary. So complicated. Well, this has been relationships inside out. As always, if you have comments, concerns, questions, topic ideas, please feel free to email us at relationships in- relationshipsinsideout at gmail.com. And we look forward to chatting with you next time. Thank you.